0: everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's show, myself and Jordan Angeli talk about six young American players that we're going to be paying extra close attention to in 2021. It's a fun discussion that gave us an excuse to scout these players and figure out how they could fit into their respective teams' tactical setups. So, without any further ado, on to the show. Jordan, we're here. We've watched the film. We've done the research. Are you ready to talk about young American players that we're watching in MLS in 2021?
1: Yeah, let's get it. I'm going to go first, if that's cool with you.
0: That is more than cool with me, Jordan. But before you do that, actually, I would like to throw in a few caveats here. So because there are right now, and this is a good thing, a lot of talented young American players in Major League Soccer, in order to do this episode, not have it go an hour plus long which is not really what we're looking for right now. Right. We we had to make a few rules for this. So our, our rules are as follows. The players that we're talking about have to be 19 years old or younger. Um, We only are talking about players who have played fewer than 2,000 minutes in Major League Soccer. So that's no Gianluca Busio, no Julian Araujo, no Cole Bassett. No Cole Bassett. I don't know why I said basket there, kind of. These are all players that we're excited about. <laughs> Busio, Araujo, and Bassett. We've talked about them before. And we will continue to talk about them. But just not as much today. I and mean, we're not going to yep. be able to get to every player that we're excited about. Jordan, there are players that you're hyped for that are not on your list. There are players that yeah. I'm hyped for that are not on my list. So that's just kind of the way it goes.
1: Right. And no one really wants to listen to us talk for an hour and a half. I mean, if you do, raise your <laughs> hand now. But um, if not, I can't just see go anybody raising players. their hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go first. I'm going to go to DC United, and I'm going to go with 17 year old Kevin Paredes. Love it. Yeah. And I think his new head coach, Hernan Losada, will love it, too. And (laughs) I'm going to go first with um, just some stats on him. So I said he's 17 years old. He had nine starts in 2020, provided one assist. And so um, he he actually made it into 17 games. So he played and contributed to a good amount of games for D.C. United. I'm going to go his strengths first, Joe. His strength is attack. You've seen this kid play. And he is silky smooth on the ball. When he gets the ball at his feet, he is really good at making decisions. And I'm going to break that down even more. His poise on the ball, he is able to read a defender. So he typically plays on the right side of midfield. He can play on the left side as well. We saw him play there uh, over the last season. But when he's on the right side of midfield, he likes to cut inside to his left foot. But he also can get in behind. So his ability and poise on the ball, when he's receiving a ball, he reads how the defender is closing him down. Sometimes that space where the defender is closing him down, the space then is in behind that defender. But sometimes that space is centrally. And he has no problem going on a dribble centrally into the field and then combining and attacking in that way. He has these like, you can imagine it, right, Joe? He has like these swalming runs, Yeah. Yeah, through the defense. And I really like to watch him in those moments. The the one thing I would say in attack is just, and this is true with all, the majority of players, right, is the, the end product has to be a little bit better. He has to be able to pick out the correct cross or pick out the right combination when he goes forward. But I think the attack and his ability on the ball with his silky smoothness is definitely his biggest attribute.
0: So my first question for you, and I've got a couple here on Kevin perez how does he fit? under Hernan Losada. How does he fit under a new coach in DC United? We saw him play a bunch of different spots last year under Ben Olsen. He played left wing back. He played some on the right. He played in midfield. He played as a number 10 in a 4-4-2 diamond in one game. He's done a lot. What do you think he's going to do under Losada?
1: Going back to what we chatted about the new head coaches in MLS a, a few weeks ago. So go back and listen to that if you want to know some some real tactics on Hernan Losada. But one of the things that Losada likes to do is he'll play in a almost a 3-5-2, but defensively it'll look like a 5-3-2. And I see Kevin Paredes as one of those wing backs. Hmm. Most likely on the left side because the player I said that might benefit most yeah. from Losada <laughs> because- was Julian Gressel, right? So he's on the right side. So I think if you use those two as wingbacks, the thing that Losada wants to do first and foremost is transition into attack quickly and quickness and speed are two things that Kevin Paredes definitely has. So I see him playing most likely on the left side. It kind of uh, takes away that internal run that he's so good at, but I do think it allows him to maybe pick the ball up in space and attack with his left foot a little bit more smoothly to then provide potentially a a cutback on a cross, or even if if the opportunity pr- provides itself, just a 1v1 opportunity where he can get out a defender and maybe pr- get a shot off with his left.
0: When, when we see a new coach come into the league, when we see a coach, especially like Losada who's coached for a short amount of time, a very limited amount of time in Belgium, we don't have a ton of film on him but we can right. still make some observations about Losada and we did that before as you mentioned Jordan. Right. I'm wondering, I'm wondering with a player who is as versatile as Kevin Paredes is and who has played in so many different spots already in such a young career, I'm wondering if Losada is going to be able to use that or how he's going to be able to use Paredes' positional flexibility. Can he start at left wing back and then rotate inside and play as a central midfielder at times in possession? Mm-hmm. Have someone else rotate yeah. wide. It just allows for so much Tactical flexibility, and I'm going to be watching for that. Not that I think Paredes is going to be the linchpin of D.C. United's possession scheme. Right. He's not going to be. But I'm wondering how we might see Paredes pop up in different spots, even from that left-wing back spot, which I agree is probably going to be his default position this season.
1: Yeah. The, the one thing I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to nitpick a little bit because you know that... Please, we have to. That's the only, that's the only way we're going to get, you know, I say we... <laughs> Because I, I think of myself as a player sometimes still, like the only way I'm going to get better is if I know how I'm not doing well. <laughs> okay. And I, I just think defensively, if Losada is going to get the best out of Paredes, if he's going to get the best out of his defensive structure, Paredes has to have a better tactical awareness of his positioning and his ability to clog and eliminate space for the opposing team. Sometimes he gets caught in a uh, reaction instead of an anticipation. So instead of cutting off the passing lane, um, let's say he's playing on that left side, cutting off the passing lane into a forward, he just kind of stays a little bit wider, allows the defender or, or the attacker, mind you, to play that ball into the forward speed instead of just sliding over to his right a little bit, denying that and then creating maybe a 1v1 defensive movement or making the the player go backwards. So I do think that his tactical awareness defensively needs to um, go a little bit higher and be a little bit tighter.
0: I was going to ask you what needs to happen for Kevin Paredes in 2021, but you answered it, right? Defensive defensive awareness and anticipating instead of reacting. And then before you touched on his ability maybe to increase his production in the in the attack and an ability to continue to impact D.C. United's attack. Jordan, anything else on Kevin Paredes?
1: No, I think I'm good. Do want to go to the your first guy?
0: My first player. I'm staying in the Eastern Conference. I'm staying... In a more attacking-minded mold, even though we think Kevin Perez is, is going to be a wing back, it's Caden Clark, 17-year-old for the New York Red Bulls. The Red Bulls signed him late in the season last year, and he played just over 350 minutes for them. Jordan, he scored three goals, <laughs> three big goals, and this isn't really, really related to my really analysis <laughs> of him. But, man, I'm still just a little bit shocked at what Caden Clark was able to do so quickly for the Red Bulls. Last year, he scored his first goal in his MLS debut against Atlanta United. He then scored a banger against Toronto FC just a little bit later in the season. Mm -hmm. And then he had a goal in the Red Bulls' one and only playoff game. In their first game under their new manager, Gerhard Struber, he had a goal in that game against the Columbus crew. And the Red Bulls were in a decent spot for at least chunks of that game. Caden Clark was able to impact that team in a real way last season in 2020. And that's not going to change as we are in this new season in 2021 Caden Clark, despite scoring those goals last year, I don't think he's going to be a lights-out goal scorer. I think that was an anomaly. He scored some great goals, but they're not repeatable goals, or they're not consistently repeatable goals. It was a ball falling to him in the box and Darlington Nagby not paying attention and closing him down. It was that crazy shot against Toronto FC, but again, he scored with his left foot. That's his weak foot. He scored from well outside the box. That doesn't happen all the time, right? We love it when it happens, but it doesn't happen all the time. And then his first goal, I think, kind of came to him in the box against Atlanta United, and he finished with the outside of his right foot. Again, great finish, just not super repeatable.
1: But the technique is there.
0: The technique is there, 100%. And I appreciate how, last season we started doing the whole Jordan ranks finishes segment, we started having you, Jordan, talk about (laughs) how, we started having you talk about, you know, how hard was that finish, and I always learn from that, because I just don't know. The technique Uh is there, with both feet, I might add. Right. The technique is 100% there, but I think we see that more in open play. I think we see that more a little bit deeper in midfield, not necessarily inside the box. Caden Clark, for me, is more of a connector. He's more of an attacking midfielder where you know, he's not a Pozuelo. I'm going to thread through balls in behind the back line. He's not an Ozil type of number 10 or or maybe even a winger who's coming inside. But he is just really spatially aware. That's his best skill, his ability to check his shoulders, yeah. get on the ball as it's rolling to him, and then making things happen after that. He's so spatially aware, and then because he's spatially aware, he knows exactly what the defense is doing behind him, and he gives himself extra time to do things on the ball. He can take a solid first touch in the right direction. He can then, you know, play a little flick down the line. He can then turn or or on the half turn and play a ball forward into the attack, play a little through ball at times. He's not a great creative passer, but he is smart with his passing. He's smart when he receives the ball. All of those things, I think, are going to make him a really influential player under Struber this season.
1: Well, in the ceiling for him, everybody talks about how high that ceiling is. What do you feel like is something that he needs to potentially sharpen up in order to get to the places that I feel like some of the people are throwing out for him?
0: The biggest question mark I have, and I don't know that this is something he needs to sharpen, but I just haven't seen enough of it at an MLS level, at least, which is understandable, right? We've only seen 300 plus minutes of Caden Clark, but I want to know how much of a presser Caden Clark is how defensively Mm -hmm. active is he we're talking about the Red Bulls here let's not lose sight of that Chris Armas that whole Chris Armas era where they're possessing a little bit more that's gone now Chris Armas is in Toronto now it's Gerhard Struber who comes over from Barnsley and that team was pressing like crazy in the championship all signs right now are pointing to another high pressing high energy Red Bulls team and so then my question is you know if Kaku is off in Saudi Arabia which he is you know, kind of playing a game of contract chicken with the Red Bulls right now. Is <laughs> is Caden Clark the number 10 in either a four four two diamond or in a three four one two shape? I think there's a real chance that happens and Caden Clark is a regular starter for the Red Bulls this season. If that happens, how does Caden Clark fit in defensively? He can do all these really great, fundamentally solid things with the ball or even as the ball is coming to him in possession But the Red Bulls aren't all about possession. How effective can Caden Clark be without the ball? That's the number one thing that I'm watching for from him this season.
1: Yeah. Uh, Just thinking about, you mentioned the few minutes that we've seen from Caden Clark, but I do feel like he needs to play the, if they play in a 4-4-2 diamond, the top of the diamond could really be beneficial for a lot of his skills. Um, Just being that connector, that Not necessarily creator with, like, a long passes, but in short little areas, he's good at connecting and finding the tight uh, combinations.
0: You just described what I was trying to do in the last few minutes, and you did it in one sentence. So I think that's all we have for (laughs) Caden Clark. Jordan, I appreciate you (laughs) you kind of bringing that home. Who do you have up next for us today?
1: Well, it's interesting. You said you're staying in the Eastern Conference, and I looked at my three players, and I was like, oops, welp. All of mine are in the Eastern Conference. (laughs) So, uh, sorry, West Coast. I'm going to stay in the East as well. I'm going to go to Atlanta United to, I mean, once I say that, I think everybody can guess where I'm going to go. Yeah, Uh, George Bellow. We have to talk about George Bellow because he is really one of those bright young players, not only in MLS, but for the U.S. men's national team potentially one day. So, he's 19 years old. I, um, I'm doing this research and I'm feeling older by the second, uh, he started 19 games. So he started all but one game that he played in and he had a goal and an assist. And I, I think that's interesting because when I watched some of his highlights and I watched him play, those numbers do not, I don't think, relate well to what he actually provided for Atlanta. Hmm he should have more assists for sure. And a big part of that was is Atlanta struggled in attack. And I think when you bring players back that are really good at scoring goals, uh, like Joseph Martinez, that I think that those numbers are going to increase for George Bellow.
0: Oh yeah. And, and just to interject there, Atlanta yeah. had one of the worst attacks in Major League Soccer last season, which seems weird to say, but when you go from Frank DeBoer to Stephen Glass and you're just kind of in this general state of organizational turmoil that might be a bit harsh mm-hmm. but at least from a coaching standpoint your attack is going to suffer and I think Bello and his numbers you know were affected as well
1: right so I'm gonna go positives um positives for George Bello first you know like to sit, start with the positives and then I'm going to talk oh, about yeah. maybe how he could fit in with Heinza and what he's doing as the new head coach there so I really do think that there are so many positives for George Bello one of the things that I think at, I'm most impressed with as an outside back he could be one of uh, the smoothest dribblers and his his confidence when the ball is at his feet is something that you don't see often from outside backs I think it, when, when you're talking about going into attack he always is looking forward so when he's receiving the ball if the if Atlanta is building up, His first thought is, how can I beat this defender to go beyond them? And sometimes that takes a little swift touch around to connect centrally, and then he can get on his horse and run forward. Or sometimes it's just strictly off the dribble, and he can beat players off the dribble. I think the thing I am most impressed with is George Bellow is fast. He has a lot of pace. But what I have found is he times his runs as to when to attack into the space when he doesn't have the ball and he wants to receive a ball into space and beyond the back line or in front of the back line, he really times that well so he can be at full pace when he does receive the ball.
0: How does that help? How does that help an attack? How is that going to help Atlanta United this season? Because it's a skill, right? That is definitely a skill. But how does he use that to influence his team this year?
1: Well, when you're when you're timing the runs like that and he can receive the ball at pace at his almost fullest pace and go either at a defender, one V one or in beyond a defender, he's going to constantly be able to create on the left side. And so I think that that timing, if you don't engage a defender early by running too early, then you're in the driver's seat as the runner, as the person without the ball, as the person attacking. And I, I do think that that is one of the things that he does the best. And I, This is why I think it'll work for Atlanta United this year. I, Heinza is a coach that you said yourself, Joe, has very, you know, undeniable similarities to Tata Martino. And Atlanta United was their best under Tata Martino. So, uh, Gabby Heinza. I just use Gabby like I know him.
0: I liked it. That sounded good. (laughs) I I bought it. I bought that you guys had a nice Uh, little connection there.
1: Yeah, we do. Uh, Hainz likes to play either, you know, he'll play in a four back, he'll play in a three back. And so I think that no matter what, George Bellow is going to lock down that left side, whether it's outside back or wing back. I personally would like to see the wing back because I want to see George Bellow in attacking positions. And it's not just getting to the end line and crossing. It's getting into dangerous positions and deciding, is the end line the proper way to go? Should I cut inside and combine? Because he's good at that as well. He's a very attacking-minded defensive player.
0: I love that you picked George Bellow for the show because yeah. of... What I think Heinz is going to do to Atlanta. And that sounds bad. Mm-hmm. And what's he going to do to Atlanta? But in a good way. I think Heinz yeah. is going to change how this team plays for the better. And I think Bello is going to be a huge benefactor. Is that, that's not the right term. It's beneficiary. Bene, he's going to benefit. Yeah, George I is going to benefit from he having is. Gabriel Heinze in this group because of how Heinz's possession setup is structured. That it's going to allow Bello to push high a lot. It's going to allow him to tuck inside sometimes and maybe show a different part of his game. I just am excited to see Atlanta and and more than that, George Bellow under Gabriel Heinza.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he might be the player that has the most impact of these young players that we're talking about just because of those things that you talked about.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I I am interested to hear your opinion because I have another player coming up right now that I think can be in that conversation. Maybe we can do a comparison. Uh, it's Efra Alvarez, 18 year old for the Los Angeles Galaxy. We know his name by now. He's been around for, mm-hmm. you know, three years already in, in major soccer conversations in the United States and in Mexico. Out of all the teenagers in Major League Soccer, out of all the American teenagers in Major League Soccer, I'm not sure there's a player whose stock has risen as much as Efra Alvarez's stock has risen over the offseason. And I'll, I'll explain why.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: First of all, he was called into U.S. men's national team camp back in December. And I want to talk about Efra's game and what he's good at, but honestly, Jordan, I'm just going to let Greg Berhalter do it for me. Okay. I'd be cool if Greg Berhalter's kind of popped out from behind <laughs> yeah. me right now instead of talking he into did. the mic.
1: Nobody has to know that he's not there. <laughs> oh, there's Greg. What did he have to say, Greg?
0: Oh, well, uh, uh Greg's about to read some quotes from Greg from back in December. <laughs> what I saw today in training, talking about Efra Alvarez, he's a guy you want to be around the ball. A very creative player, has a good change of pace, very good in tight spaces. That's quote number one. Here's quote number two. What I've seen from him is a maturity, a development as a player over this last year. He looks much more physically fit and able to impact games for longer this season. It was unfortunate he didn't play more, talking about last season under Gamabar Shalotto. A lack of fitness, Jordan, has been a huge knock against Efra Alvarez in the past. Uh-huh. If that's not a problem anymore, or even if it's just less of an issue, that's so huge. Having Greg Vanny in LA now, it's going to be a style that much more that is much more suited to Efra Alvarez's game, more possession, more time on the ball for Ephra Alvarez to get on the ball. Like Greg Berhalter says, you want him to be in that space, in space with the ball, able to create with that left foot. I think Greg Vanny coming to LA, I think him getting a look with the national team and Berhalter talking about his fitness, that kind of addresses the two biggest question marks that surrounded Efra Alvarez. Can he be fit? Yes, according to Greg Berhalter can he play in a style that actually suits him? Yes, according to having Greg Vaney in this group now in LA, it right. seems like the stock is going straight up for Ephra Alvarez over this offseason.
1: Which is like I, I I he's had that, right? There's been so much talk about him, but it's been held back by these couple of things. So yeah. I do think, I mean the when we're talking about George Bellow, too, he d- he performed last year, but we talk about how he can even be better than he was last year as a young player in MLS because of the coach he's going to have. And I think the same goes for Efra Alvarez here, is that, okay, he can perform, but can he be great? Can he be what we think he can be? And, and I think the structure of Greg Vanny could really help him as he he develops his game.
0: In terms of the formation or in terms of the approach to playing? Or both?
1: Just I think when you're a young player personally... It's easy to just go out and be good at playing soccer, and it's more difficult to take the time to learn things about the game or mm. put in the time and effort to your fitness and your nutrition and all those other things that are you feel at times as a younger player are just like oh, I don't have to think about that because I'm young. Once you, once those things click and you understand, okay, I'm young, and if I care about these things, I can be really, really good, and it does enhance my game, I think that Vanny is going to help him with that side, with the structure a little bit of, okay, well, you could do this, and I'm going to help you get fit, and you're going to stay fit, and all those other things.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and it's a side of the game I don't think about as much, but when you're at for Alvarez yeah. and you have undeniable talent... But, you know, you haven't been able to put all the pieces together for a number of reasons. Having a more structured approach on and off the field in the locker room in training throughout the week. That's only going to help for Alvarez. One, one quick thing from me on the galaxy before we move on to our next players. Uh, Cameron Dunbar, another young player on this, on this team. He got a start against Portland, I think, in the MLS's back tournament. He's a winger. He's basically two-footed. He's fast. He's quick. He's able to cut in on either side if he's playing left wing or right wing. Just keep an eye on Cameron Dunbar. I don't know why there hasn't been more buzz around him. I don't know if there are things that I don't know, but from the film (laughs) that I've watched on him and I stayed up watching it last night because I started on Efra Alvarez and then kind of fell down the Cameron Dunbar (laughs) rabbit hole a little bit. Listeners, just keep an eye on Dunbar because I think he is, I think he's the real deal as well. But yeah, yeah, that's a conversation for another day.
1: You heard it here first, people.
0: You did. You did hear it. You
2: did hear it here first. That's a tough one for me. Jordan, who's your final player for today's show? This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: My final player is none other than the youngest ever to start at MLS. <laughs> final <laughs> From the Columbus crew, Aiden Morris. Had to do it. Had to do it to him. I had to. 19 years old. Out of, I think, every player that we talked about, and I don't know who your last player is, but he only had two starts in 2020 in his first year as a professional. He played 10 times, but two of those were starts, one of them being in the biggest game that he has played in yet and the biggest game on an MLS stage is the cup final. And for that to be your second start and to play like he played tells you enough about who Aidan Morris is.
0: He was good in that game, not just for the youngest starter in MLS Cup history. He was just straight up a good player in that game. And that's, <laughs> right? that's truly impressive for Aiden Morris.
1: Yeah. So he's a six. He plays in one of the two, uh, sixes in a 4-2-3-1 that Caleb Porter likes to play. They're asked a lot. They have to not only be covering space as the two really, um, cogs in denying opportunities for the other team but they have to be able to connect they have to be able to win balls first and second balls which is an addition to that fitness that I just talked about but I think the thing that impresses me most about Aiden Morris and something that I don't really think you can teach is he's got grit
0: yeah it is
1: hard to teach that type of aggressiveness to a player but I think that it's easier to tame it a little bit than it is to teach it, if that makes sense. So Aiden Morris playing at that six, a part of what you have to do is you have to destroy. You have to break up attacks for the other team. And when I'm thinking back of that game in MLS Cup, the MLS Cup final, he did such a good job of tempting Seattle to play into a space and then going in and destroying, right? Right whether it is a big tackle or it's stepping in front of the attacker and winning the ball back and keeping possession for his team. I thought he did a really good job of that, and I think it shows his tactical understanding of when to tackle, but also when he could win the ball and start a, an attack for his team.
0: Aiden Morris looked impressively well-rounded in that MLS Cup game. Mm-hmm. And I, it's tough because I want to be measured here because we have seen so little of Aiden Morris with the crew. Right. But he looked, he looked capable with the ball. He had a couple of really nice switches of play to, to start crew attacks to even lead to crew goals in that game. And then he also did play that destroyer role really, really well next to Artur. He's mobile. He's able to cover ground. He's good in the tackle. He can do almost everything you want out of that number six. And, and he showed it in that game. And I would expect, Jordan, that he will show it again in 2021. My question for you is, though, is he ever going to play this season?
1: Well, yeah, Joe, Columbus Crew have a lot of games they have to play this year. Not only MLS Cup, they've got CONCACAF Champions League. They have Open Cup. So I, there are going to be opportunities for Ada Morris to get on the field. There were opportunities last year. And I think you can't foresee what's going to happen in this season. But one of the things that I think is undeniable, especially when you're talking about young players, is the setting and the environment that they're in. He is surrounded by now Perry Kitchen, Artur, Darlington Nagby, all players who are provide different qualities, but he can learn day in and day out how to perform and be the best that he can be by gleaning some of that information and some of those different skill sets from all the players around him. So I think that there are going to be games for Aiden Morris and whether it's in a busy week during Major League Soccer and he's playing an MLS game or it's against a foreign team in CONCACAF Champions League or it's U.S. Open Cup, he is going to get minutes and those minutes are going to be, to me, more significant than last year because he set the bar pretty high in MLS Cup and now it's time to continue to be consistent and prove that he can do that. And the thing that is also impressive is he he looks at the game as the game. Like he just wants to get better. I I actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, but after MLS cup, uh, he, or they were getting ready for MLS cup. And he asked, he was in the training room and he asked uh, somebody like, um, when are we training next? (laughs) Like he was already ready to go to training again. (laughs) Cause he knew that that was the last game. And he like wanted to get back into training. This kid wants to get better. And I think that, Proves his mindset. Like MLS Cup was a big game, but he just wanted to play because he loves to play. Not the hype of the game; it was the passion of like who he can be and how he can get better. So I think it's only up for here for Ada Morris.
0: I love that so much. That's a great yeah. story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I had not heard that yeah. before.
1: Yeah. All right, last one, Joe.
0: <laughs> last one, Tanner Testman for FC Dallas. We we had to get over yeah. a little bit to the Western Conference with Efra Alvarez mm-hmm. and then with Tanner Testman. Yeah, just had to balance it that. a little bit. You're welcome. <laughs> So Tanner Tessman played just over 1,000 regular season minutes for Dallas last year. He made his U.S. men's national team debut against Trinidad and Tobago at the end of January camp. He was okay in that, in that little cameo off the bench. He had about 15 minutes, but he kind of showed his whole game and, and, and also what he needs to improve in that little short appearance in Orlando. So he's a big guy. He's six foot two. He's a central midfielder. He's still kind of growing into his body, I think, from what I can tell. He lumbers around the field a little bit. He lumbered around the field against Trinidad and Tobago, but even though he's kind of lanky and kind of still trying to figure out how to move, he's got this really high level of technical skill. He's got a good passing range. He can ping some really nice diagonal passes with his right foot if he has a little bit of time, a little bit of space. He's also got weirdly quick feet, and I do mean weirdly quick feet. For a guy as big as he is, you just don't expect to see that kind of movement from a player like Tanner Tessman.
1: That's so funny you said that because when you were talking, I was just going to say, is he good under pressure? Because I feel like he's good in tight spaces, which you would contradict to the statement that you said about him, his ability to move around the field. It's like you would think he would be faster in longer distance or like a little bit better in longer distance, but he's actually better in smaller distances.
0: I literally have written down, he can get out of tight spaces and turn out of pressure. That's exactly what you're (laughs) talking about. And it feels... It feels counterintuitive because as a guy who's as tall as he is, just for a soccer player especially, having those long legs and kind of the still awkward frame a little bit, to be clear, Tanner Tessman's a great athlete, but you wouldn't really expect him to have those those quick feet and his skill in tight spaces on the ball. He can get on the half turn. He did that against Trinidad and Tobago, really poor opponent, but he did that for the men's national team. He can combine and, and have little flicks down the line, or little flicks to help Dallas play out of the back. Luchi Gonzalez, in the way that FC Dallas play, I think is largely, largely should be credited for how Tanner Testman can get out of those tight spaces because he has to do that every single day in training. He has to do that in every single game he plays for Dallas. Just because if you're not, and you're not able to help Dallas get out of the back, you're probably not going to be playing. So he's got, Tanner testman has got a lot of really good skills, but all of that being said, last year, his biggest skill was his availability. Paxton Palmicle now is back healthy. He was injured for large stretches of last season. So I'm wondering, my biggest Tanner Testament question is, are we going to see a lot of him in MLS in 2021? Or are we going to see rotational minutes from Tanner Testament as Paxton Pomichael comes back in? And maybe it's a Pomichael, Ricarte, and Tiago Santos midfield. There's plenty of games though, so I don't think it's going to be a huge problem. But how that midfield shakes out and who ends up being the regular starting trio, at least at the beginning of the year, things change later on. I'm curious to Uh see where Tessman will fall in that pecking order.
1: That's a good point. But I also, I don't know why. I just feel like Tessman is a competitor. Like, he likes that competition of having someone who challenges for him for that spot. Just... Knowing what we know about him playing football and playing soccer, right? I think he has a little bit of that drive that he wants to be the best. It doesn't matter who he's competing against. And honestly, when you said that, I, I'm just still not, we want Ricarte to be that player, but I don't, I'm not convinced yet that he is. So maybe it's Tessman and Pomacol.
0: Who yeah, knows? We just don't, there's so many questions that we have about FC Dallas. Right? We don't know yeah, where are. Ricarte fits into <laughs> things. We don't know where Jesus Ferreira fits into things. Is he still going yeah. to be a weird attacking midfielder, central midfielder, hybrid kind of guy? Or is he going to be a number nine? Is Brian Acosta going to factor into this midfield? There's so many questions. Serio, Brendan Cervena, who's on loan in Austria right now. We don't, we just don't know really how this group is going to shake out. And, yeah. and I'm kind of glad that Lucci Gonzalez has to figure that out and not us.
1: Me too. But Joe, the thing is, we're getting closer and closer to figuring out that because games are getting closer and that's exciting.
0: I'm so excited. We've got lots of really fun episodes planned over the next couple of months leading up to MLS actually starting on April 17th. That date may or may not be circled on my calendar. I don't actually have a calendar. It's digital, but you know, it's (laughs) it's more of a metaphor than anything else. We're stoked. We're excited. Jordan, do you have anything else either on these young players or anything that you want listeners to know or be looking out for from you or from us or, or are we just getting out of here?
1: I just think there's a lot of promise in Major League Soccer and the youth development within this league. And so there, you know, we named six players, actually seven, sorry, you (laughs) you named a double there with LA Galaxy, (laughs) but there are so many good young players. And I think that's exciting when you're talking about the growth and uh, where this league is going, because we've seen some of those players already get sold. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of these players are the next to go.
0: Yeah, I could not have said that any better. Listeners, thank you all for listening. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. And we will be back again very, very soon.